Welcome to Relationship University. My name is Natalie Bloom, therapist and counselor specializing in young professionals. Each episode, you'll hear uncommon conversations with real people and take away psychological insights and tools to strengthen your relationship to dating, friendships, partners, and work. But most importantly, improving the relationship you have to yourself. Thanks so much for joining me and let's get it started. If you're someone who loves psychology, therapy, or personality tests, you're going to love today's show. In this episode, you will learn everything you would want to know about the Enneagram, a system made up of nine personality types that looks at our internal motivations as the catalyst for what drives our behavior. You will be blown away by what you're going to learn about your own personality and also the personality of all the characters in your life, especially those that might be hard to understand at times. And our guest today is my honorary older sister who I've known my whole life. Ayla Miller is a professional educator and has been studying and teaching personality systems like the Enneagram and Myers-Briggs for over 20 years. And because our episode is so rich and chock full of fascinating information, I broke it up into two parts. The first part is personality type one through five, and the second episode is types six through nine. You won't want to miss either episode because you might accidentally skip over the personality type that can teach you the most about yourself. All right. I really can't wait. Now let's get right into the show. I really hope you love listening and learning from the podcast. And the podcast is not meant to be actual therapy or a substitute for a relationship with a mental health provider. All right, so I am here with Ayla Miller, and we're going to talk about Enneagrams today. What's unique about Ayla is that she's so wise without an ego. So I always felt like I could ask her anything. And if I didn't know something about something very obscure, whether that was a fact or a history thing, or whether that was something about relationships or politics, there's always a way where Ayla is able to find the answers and explain it in a very clear, concise way. I've taken her Enneagram classes and they're amazing. They were over two hours and I was like, wait, this needs to be longer because it was just, I was so captivated. And since you've taught me about it over the past years, I've used it a lot in my therapy practice from what I've learned from you and also within myself, which helps me really understand myself so much better, more than a lot of things I've done to try to understand and learn about myself. And it's also helped me to identify things in other people, including my clients, friends, partners and family members. And so this is a, this is really, really special that we get to learn from Ayla today. So welcome to the show. (laughs) Oh, wow. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with you, Natalie. And it's just such a joy. It's so exciting. I love talking with you always. And everything you said was too 
wonderful and sweet and I'm just <laughs> I'm over here making like I'm over here making like heart symbols and so I just want all I want to do is be able to say no it's you it's you and and that and of course that relates back to my enneagram but uh <laughs> but I appreciate so much and everything that you're doing and I love it so thank you so much absolutely I mean everything and I could go on Okay. No, no, no. Okay. So maybe later we'll, we'll learn why you don't want me to go on in a few minutes because of Ayla's personality Enneagram too. But I would love for, for, for people who haven't heard of the Enneagram, what is the Enneagram? The Enneagram, it looks at our internal motivations. So it's a system that looks at internal motivations that drive our external behaviors. Um, and it's a system for understanding ourselves and others better. The Enneagram kind of helps us to honor the things that we really love about our personality, but also be able to um, break away from the things that are harder for us or that are holding us back in some way from being more flexible, more able to cope with things differently, all of those sort of things. And so the Enneagram helps with that. And because of that, it helps us to understand ourselves better, understand others better, and actually have more compassion for ourselves and for others. Um, so instead of it being, oh, why do I always do that? I always, oh, this is something that I do and it happens because of this and because I have this drive and and I can slowly let go of that or I can slowly uh, intensify that if it's something that I have decided is something that is really important to me and that I, I want to um, have thrive. Um, and the same for other people to say, oh, why are they always doing this to me? Why do they do? Oh, wait a minute. It's their pattern. It's just part of them. And to understand that and have that sort of that pause, that stepping back. And the Enneagram is a system for understanding that. The Enneagram is a way for us to understand our personality better. Our personality is a part of us. It's not everything about us. By understanding our personality specifically more, it can help us understand where we can grow as a person, also the things that we struggle with and why we struggle with that. It can help us understand other people better. So when someone's annoying in a very special way, we can say, oh, this person's annoying because they are a type six and sixes have this and this and this. So yeah. So, so Ayla, you want to do an exercise that we can all do at home to understand this better? Yeah. I think that, um, what I'm going to have you do is Natalie, if you could cross your arms right now for me and show me your most angry face, your angriest face right now. Oh yeah, it's a very good angry face. I'm very proud. <laughs> I'm, very, I'm, I'm very proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Well, let's see. Okay. And so now, without looking, and I hope everyone's crossing their arms right now. <laughs> without looking, um, which arm did you cross first? Is I don't know. You, right, you don't know. And actually, I I even doing it right now, I don't know. Well, take a minute to look down at which one you crossed. Okay, and. Now reverse it and do it the opposite way. And how does that feel? <laughs> it felt like I didn't even know how to do that. But it looks like it wor it's working. It looks like it's where you had to look down. I saw you kind of struggling, thinking about how, <laughs> what, is, what is even the other way to do things. And so what I, now you can uncross your arms. Thank okay, you. Thanks. And 
what I like to say for that is that that is our patterned response. That's actually like a symbol for our personality. So when I asked you to perform a task, I asked you to give me your angry face and all of your energy went into, got it, I'm going to perform this task and I'm going to do a really good job. And then your personality pattern ran. It went forward and it said, all right, well, the best way to do this is, and then you're, it didn't have to think about it, right? It let you cross your arms the way it needed to. And so sometimes that's really helpful. Like sometimes your personality pattern is like, all right, party, here we go. I'm an extrovert. I got this, right? You know, and all the things. And then sometimes personality pattern comes on and it's like, oh, it's a pandemic and, I, and I'm an extrovert. Ugh, you know, that's sort of like, what do I do with that? And so that's sort of what that patterned response is. That crossing of the arms is sort of meant to symbolize. And, and similarly, doing the opposite is actually really difficult. And that's true for our personality as well, that sometimes even breaking those patterns can be difficult. And also trying on a different one or trying it a different way can almost be like a foreign language. Another way to think about it is that your personality is like a mask that we put on every day um, and that it's part of us. It's an important part of this mask. You wouldn't want to not have it at all. It's just one that you're putting on and it's the one that's most comfortable to you. Um, and that the Enneagram sees it that way, that there's nine types. We actually are all of them, but we tend to have one that's dominant, that, that one that where we cross our arms and it feels the most comfortable and we use it the most. The other thing I often like to say is a lot of people hearing it don't want to be boxed in, especially sixes, fours, and eights. So usually for them, I say something um, about how this isn't somebody's going to tell you what you are or that kind of thing. So you're saying that our personalities are like masks. Perhaps we have a closet that has different masks, but we have like our comfy mask that we put on. I theoretically have these other masks I want. I like to wear it. Maybe I'll wear it sometimes, but there's one mask that's like, ooh, this feels really good. And so it feels natural and we kind of go to that. Yeah, we don't even notice it a lot of times. We, we don't think beforehand, we just use it. And so what, would, what else would be important to understand about the Enneagram personality type? Sometimes people feel like, well, it's only nine types. I don't want to be boxed in, right? Nobody can say what I am and this sort of thing. And the Enneagram sort of frees us from being boxed in because what it's sort of saying is that every day we, we kind of do that to ourselves in a way. Every day we say, well, this is who I am and this is the only way that I am. And we kind of put ourselves into that, that one personality type. And the Enneagram is saying, well, no, there's actually, it's so much more complicated than that. And there's so many things and there's so many ways that you can be in the world um, if you're aware of the patterns that you tend to fall into. And so what I also like to say is that I'm not going to tell anyone who they are. First of all, this system doesn't say who you are. It says an element of, of, of who you are, but it doesn't say everything who you are. It's, it's just one lens for understanding more. Um, but also, I'm of the mind of thinking that I can't know fully your internal motivations all the time. I can look at your external behaviors and I can have an idea of what might be driving them, but that's you. You're going to know that the best. You're the expert on that. Um, and so what I say is that for people to understand their Enneagram type, it's really, I think, helpful to read more, to look at it, to ask yourself to question, and that the process of doing that is, is growth in and of itself. And I've, all, I've found it very helpful for myself. Me too. So when I first took your class, Ayla, what I did was I listened through each of the types you went into detail with. And I tried to see 
if I can, do I see myself in this type? Does this resonate with me? Yeah, like, that- try, like trying it on, right? Another way to think about personality is that it's like the clothes that we wear, right? That we put them on every day and you don't want to go outside into the world with nothing. Um, it would be cold. But, you know, if you layer on a lot of that personality and it's a hot day, it's like, well, you know, maybe we can shed some of those parts of the personality pattern or don't need it all the time. Uh, that if, you know, if it's, if your personality pattern is to be reactive or something, well, sometimes that's helpful. And sometimes it's, not really what's needed in the moment, but it's the pattern. We're going to go through the different types. We're going to, we're going to all try them on for size and let's see, let's see what we can learn. The personalities are based on what motivates you. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. It's all about this internal motivation and drive so that there's a focus of attention for each type. There's fears associated with the types. And because of that, each type has different patterns of behavior that they do in order to um, alleviate fears that they centralize, that they're centered on, or um, to deal with the focus of attention, the thing that's sort of circulating in your mind a lot. Let's get it going. I'm eager to... So let's start. One thing I'll say is that it's just like we were saying, trying it on. It's really natural to feel one of them and then again to feel another one. And we, because we are all of these types um, and they actually are connected in very complicated ways, it's actually normal to feel one really that you feel really connected to and another one that you think, oh yeah, at work I do that. Or, well, when I'm with family, I have more of this and that's totally normal. And I just want to say that. All right, so we have one, the perfectionist. Um, Their focus of attention tends to be things like right and wrong, what's correct, and avoiding mistakes, which is a big part for ones. They're really concerned with making sure that they don't make mistakes. And that can be mistakes that maybe other types might consider small, like which tableware to use or how one should say something or the correct grammar. Or it might be mistakes like, faux pas or social ills in the world that they want to fix and want to make sure aren't making mistakes. So social justice sort of things. And they're concerned with stuff like that very often. Ones are conscientious. They're responsible. They're ethical, dependable. They're hardworking. Um, They can also have challenges with being rigid um, or judgmental or overcritical often of themselves first. Um, Ones a lot of times are so hard on themselves and the little bit that comes out of sort of wanting to correct something or someone's mistake um, can feel really critical to somebody else. But it's like, oh, you, you have no idea. For me as a one, if a one was talking, I say way harsher things to, as my internal critic critic. Um, So that's something that ones um, have to experience a lot. And, um, But they also are trying to help others by making sure that they don't make mistakes if mistakes is the thing that they're really concerned with. So the ones that I know um, are uh, will do things like I, I wrote a text to one of my one friends and I said, oh, I'm so excited to see you. And I, I I'm, uh, you know, something, something and I love you. And, you know, I'm just writing this lovely, loving text. And the text I got back was a correction, a spelling correction with something that I wrote. <laughs> and for me, I'm thinking, oh, what? Oh, what does that have to do with anything? I mean, look at what I wrote, right? Like, what about the words? Well, if they're wanting to make sure that a mistake doesn't happen, they're going to let you know. And that's how they're going to show that, um, <laughs> show love that way. 
so yeah, so that's ones in a in a short way. So thinking about things, they might might run through their mind stuff like, is it right? Is it wrong? Is this the right way to do something? Um, all of those things, and noticing imperfections because of that. So you might be able to notice a one friend or family member if they correct you. That's one thing. Another example might be something. Um, like um, the well, one at a, a party might be the kind of person who's sort of rearranging the flatware the way that it's supposed to be, um, sort of a very tight. They tend to be very tidy, um, very concerned with also ethics, too. So um, what's the right nomenclature to use and checking that first and really being thoughtful about that. Things like uh, noticing that oh, a light is out at a restaurant, all of those sort of flawed things in the world um, ones tend to focus on. And so you might notice that in their behavior as well, um, critiquing things and being sometimes a harsh critic. What's motivating ones? So ones are motivated by the want to not make mistakes um, and to be right. Um, they're also concerned, their fear is that they are somehow evil or corrupt or defective. Um, and they believe that if they are able to prove that they're not, um, that that fear of wrongdoing will go away. Again, it's that internal critic of the wrongs that you've done, those sort of things sort of run through one the one's mind a lot, the perfectionist's thoughts. Right. So on an average Tuesday, what would be, <laughs> what would be a, tr a hurdle that a one goes through in their mind, like maybe a situation that they mm. have to encounter and, and how do they cope with it or, or navigate it? So on an average Tuesday, you know, there might be a, a staff meeting or something happening and they're going to ask, how should we be doing this? Should we be contacting um, this person instead? Is there a right way to do procedures? Are we using Robert's rules of order uh, in our meeting and all of those things. Are we, are we following what we should be and that that will mean that we've made sure that we're good, that we're doing the good in the world? Or for instance, um, a one might be the kind of person on a Tuesday to be out there and being an activist in the world, trying to, you know, carrying the sign and chanting for the thing that really matters, the justice that isn't there for other people, that they see the flaws in the world that must be changed. They might be on an average Tuesday out there doing that when everyone else is just going about their daily business. And a one knows that that's not where we need to be in the world and the world could be a better place. And they're going to do that by telling everyone how it should be. So it has, all of these have that there's elements that are really powerful and, and strengths and then areas that really are challenges This sort of, you can see telling people how they should be can be a hard thing to hear. Uh, one time, a one friend of mine was looking at my face and said, are you using different makeup? And I said, no. And they said, I never noticed how big that mole was on your face. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but this person, this one that I know, they are incredible. Well, first of all, they're, they do editing. And then also they're incredible at working for change in the world for positive good. How, how are ones amazing? And when, when ones are annoying, how are they annoying? Right. Probably with um, critiquing people, feeling like they know that they're always right. Those sort of things can be hard for people interacting with one. Um, 
ones feel that they often have the right advice, the but they also want you to recognize that um, that there's a uh, an actual way you're supposed to do something, all those sort of things. Mm-hmm. So there's a right, there's a right and a wrong way to mm-hmm. do things. Yeah, they they can tend to fall into black and white thinking, and there's other types, of course, that have that as well. Um, and um, with all of these things, we can do like, oh, well, I do that too, but. Do you have this pattern? Is there this sort of intensity around it? Is there a drive that's like, I really am c- concentrating on the fact that, oh, I said the wrong thing. Oh, I, I, uh, I, I better make sure I was correct and, and pushing that you were correct. And, and those sort of things might be a one pattern that they tend to fall into and, and, crit- and criticizing themselves. Great. So that's, that's a summary of the type one perfectionist. Yes. So two, type two the helper. Um, these people are generous and affectionate. Um, they can also be people-pleasing and manipulative. Um, and I'm going to talk about how that connects. Um, their focus of attention is the needs, feelings, and desires of others. So that's where their mind goes to, which is really different than one, where their their focus of attention is different and tends to fall back on what does the other person want and need and how can I be the one that's going to give it to them? Because then they'll need me. Twos um, have a fear that they are inherently unlovable or unwanted. Um, And so they believe that in order to be loved, you must earn that love by caring and pleasing others. So that there's the motivation, there's the drive of this sort of the focus of attention plus the fear creates the behavior. So we can look at that. So twos, um, they tend to focus on things like, will others like me? Am I needed? Those are things that sort of run through the two's mind. They tend to be helpful and supportive. Um, They're very exuberant with a lot of energy often. Um, They're relationship oriented. They often will know what people like and want and give it to them before you even need it. Um, You know, two's the person who's standing there with the mug of coffee and it's exactly how you want it. And you didn't even remember telling them, but they categorized that and kept that information because then now they see you as someone who they need. And that's the sort of connection with twos that happen. Um, so they can be, twos can be prideful. And often people who are twos are like, I don't have any pride. I'm very able to, I just am helping people all the time. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just doing the things that people need to do. There's no pride in it. It's not like they need, you know, specifically what I'm doing. But if you, if you talk to twos more, it's very clear that there's pride there because, well, I'm the one that really knows their favorite cup of coffee and how to do it. And no one else can really do that. I mean, really, like, let's be <laughs> so that's, the, that's the two pattern. Um, and they want to be noticed for the, those things. And they and because they want to be they, they inherently believe that there really isn't any love for them left from other people unless they're doing those things. Um, so they can be intrusive because of that, like the checking in the, you know, oh, are you sure? Oh, do you need? Oh, this, you know, this checking in sort of pattern that can happen. They can be demanding of others. Um wanting them to be with them and with instead of with somebody else, um, really wanting to have approval from other people and can be manipulative. Like, oh, well, I thought you wanted this. Oh, well, here's what you, oh, you didn't. Well, okay. Well, and so that's sort of two pattern. So you might recognize a two, uh, for instance, uh, at a party 
they're going about and they're they're coming over and asking you what drink you'd like and they're getting you the drink and having a conversation and you're having a great time and it's like wow this host is amazing like I didn't even know they lived there and it's just this fabulous party 30 minutes in they've introduced you to everyone there they know everyone there and then you realize this isn't the person who lives there like this, this isn't even the host of the party. This is some random person who took it upon themselves to make it so that they were helping you, right? But that you also needed them at the party. So the, that that's a that's a sort of two sort of thing. Any questions? So so Ayla, you've told me that you identify as a two. <laughs> yes, yes, and normally in my classes I don't say for myself um, because. Uh, one thing is I don't want people to get focused on me. Uh, is that a part <laughs> and, of being a two? And that, and, and that might be part of being two. That might be part of my personality pattern because um, having too much, t- twos tend to deflect a lot of stuff about them um, out towards other people. Again, the focus of attention is away and externally focused to others. Um, so that probably has something to, something to do with it. And then also because I don't want people to get an idea that all twos look like like me um, or act like me because there's really different ways that this can present. Um, and we're so much more, again, than just this one number and they're all connected to each other. And there's lots of ways that make it so that a two might present differently. But for instance, twos you might know um, are the kind of people that when you're having a text conversation, you feel like you just never can get off the text stream. So it's like you say, all right, great. And then they send back a smiley face and then you have to write something and then they're like, all right, you're doing so great. And because twos tend to compliment, they really are people pleasing. They want you to um, feel good about yourself, just to feel great when you're around them. So if, if, if I'm a two and I make someone feel great, then they're going to need me. And then I'm going to yeah. feel loved. Yes. And in the two's mind, that's not always what's going through their mind. In fact, a lot of two's listening might think, oh, oh, oh okay, actually, ooh, that might be happening. And actually, that's true of all these types. There's usually something that you say and it's like, oh, eh, I hate that part of me. Um, and then sometimes that's a good way to know. <laughs> it's like, oh, like and the other ones are like, yeah, no, I don't know. Or, oh, I hate it when people do that. Or, or like, oh, yeah, it doesn't really affect me. And then you hear yours and it's like, oh, <laughs> sometimes, mm-hmm. that, sometimes that can be a way for to know. Also can be a way to know your type. It um, can also be, uh, or your Enneagram pattern um, can also be hearing about the sort of focus of attention or even sometimes the name, the title. I've had people go, I knew right when you said the title because it's so much my pattern, so much part of me um, that I really identified with just that. So that's number two. That's the helper. Mm-hmm. So I can I can see that probably a lot of people would hear that and and identify with that because of the the title's pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. They're they're keeping track of likes and dislikes. They tend to have a compliment ready at hand, and they really do feel this way. They really do feel uh, those compliments, but they also want to be there for you. They want to support you, and they want to be in a supportive role, so that you want to have them there to show to be loved. Because you identify as a two, you're a little bit more critical of the two. <laughs> yeah, because probably. But I try. I, I don't want to be because, I mean, all these types, I I love. I mean, they're all so real to me um, and real people. And I want to honor that. Um, and each type has an incredible strength. And we need every type in society. I mean, this would, if we all decided that we were one type, um, not only would it be quite dull, but... Um, 
it really just wouldn't be good for life. It would, it, we, we'd be missing all of these incredible strengths that other people couldn't perform, couldn't do. So maybe one more question for type two. If you were trying to sell personality two uh, in an elevator speech, like this is why you should buy personality two, <laughs> the helper, what would be the most flattering way in a few sentences to understand type two, the helper? Type twos are that caring friend that really is there for you um, and loves you no matter what. That's just this person that has sort of endless love for others um, or seems to have that and goes the extra mile to really make someone feel loved. Um, remembering birthdays, remembering things about the person, the things that they need and 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 need to thrive and choose giving that to them um, and giving selflessly, really just giving and giving and giving. I'll buy that. <laughs> the selfless, kind, thoughtful, generous, loving, caring, sweet people. Perfect. So should we move on to the next one? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm so blunt. Okay. Um, we have threes. One of my favorite types, um, they're all my favorite types, but I do have some some extra love <laughs> for the threes in my life. Um, threes, the achiever. They're driven, they're adaptable, they're ambitious, um, they're winners. They're also image conscious um, and they can be focused on comparing themselves to others a lot and needing to be admired. Their focus of attention is tasks, goals, Praise for achievement. That's a big part of threes. They really want to make sure people see all the hard work they're doing. And the thing is, threes do a lot of hard work. They they are go get it people. They really go after things, and um, and they're they're they shine because of that. People do look up to threes um, because they're often just so incredibly ad- admirable in the way that they have that gumption to. Um, get things done. They're enthusiastic. They're efficient. That Sometimes I say that's like a three superpower. Um, like they can see where the goal is and how to get there, the steps along the way. Um, you know, so it's that, that's okay. Here's the plan or how could, how, what do you need? Like, what do we need to get done to get to this goal? They're very practical and they're good at problem solving and they tend to be successful. The challenges with threes is that sometimes the fears that's behind the three is um, being unaccomplished. So that there's no worth, that there's no who am I without the things I do, without the things others say that I am. So that's what's behind. So wanting to be admired, wanting to have be seen, having the status of that, but it's the status in relation to everyone else and what do they think. And that can be really hard for threes. So believing that there's no self-worth beyond the accomplishment beyond the title, beyond all of the things that you do. And because of that, there can be kind of competitiveness that threes struggle with. Um, They can be image-driven. They can be out of touch with pesky feelings that get in the way of getting things done. And they can be overworked because of that. So a three, you might notice, um, is the kind of person who kind of like drops subtle hints about where they are in life, what they've been doing, the things that you might want to notice about them. I had a three one time who, you know, I, I saw them in my neighborhood and and they were like, oh yeah, you know, I'm 
um, just, just hanging out. I'm still on my bike. Um, you know, I'm just doing this 13 mile bike ride on the weekend, you know, just, uh, and just kind of like, <laughs> just like puts that in there like this, oh, this like crazy, <laughs> crazy thing that they're doing that they're like super good at, but like, I'm just going to put that in there. Threes might do something. I have, I have a friend. Um, and I said something I was, I, as a two, <laughs> <laughs> was going on and on to somebody else about how amazing this friend of mine is. And they're standing, my friend's standing right there. And I'm going to this other person about how they're an incredible chef and they do all this incredible work with the, you know, and they've, they've innovated things at the restaurant and, and it's true. And then the other person I was talking to walked away and the three, the chef turns to me and says, I'm not just a chef. I'm an executive chef. It's different. <laughs> And threes tend to also always be comparing themselves. They can walk into a room and they know where everyone stands. They know where they stand and they compare themselves constantly. So for them, it's important that status, that that saying that is important to them because they've also worked really hard to get there. So a three struggles with comparison at times. So what does it do to a three when they're comparing themselves to others? That's a really good question. I think for threes, it's that they want to know where they are sort of ranked socially and how society views it. And it can be anxiety producing, it's producing, I imagine, for threes when they don't feel like they're meeting a standard, either a standard that they set for themselves or that they feel is being set for them in society. And that can be anything from, um, I don't have the best looking partner. I, um, why don't I have a job that people recognize as important? I work so hard. And um, do people see that? Do they know what's going into that? Um, but they also want people to kind of effortlessly be, or see, see, it, see it as effortless too um, sometimes as well. How does a three on an average Wednesday move through their life? What would be a story about, a quick story about an average three on a Wednesday? So an average three on a Wednesday is probably pretty packed. They probably are penciling friends in to see them. Um, they might um, have a, a busy schedule at work, a busy schedule socially. Um, they have uh, one committee meeting to go to to the next. And along the way, they'll probably be letting people know all of those things um, that they're doing. Um, the people who they know, who they're connected to. Uh, a three might have something like a really curated Facebook page. Um, I, I have a free three friend and um, they had some post about their family and it said hashtag winning at mom. Hashtag. <laughs> and, then another, <laughs> and then another time, another time they had hashtag winning at wife. Um, and so you know, th this sort of really wanting to make sure that they're winning, that they're successful. And because that's what is valued in society. And uh, as a side note, we happen to live in a, th a three uh, society, the United States, um, that 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 personality pattern is overvalued in this society. And so sometimes it's actually hard for people to recognize if there are three because we're kind of in it. We're, we, we live in three all the time. You know, brand labels on the outside, for instance, is a, is a three um, business model. You know, it doesn't have to be on the outside. It could be on the inside. I mean, you can turn the label over. Why show it on the outside? Well, why not? <laughs> why not show mm -hmm. your status right there in front of everyone? So we happen to live in a three society. Um, and sometimes threes uh, that I know even uh, sometimes think they're not three enough. Mm -hmm. That they haven't really, they haven't made it yet. 
So clearly they haven't succeeded enough. And who are they? And what they can, they're adaptable. They're able to be anything that needs to happen. Um, and so sometimes they kind of struggle with like, well, if I'm, I'm always presenting a positive front, if I'm always presenting this image, who am I? And if it's not all the things that I'm doing, then what does it mean? And if it's just that, well, what else is there? And so threes can kind of have that, that struggle. So when I first took your class, I wasn't sure where I fit in. And in talking to another friend who knew me from high school, she said, you're totally a three. And she explained why. And now I'm like, oh, I I think I am a three. And the reason why I didn't think I was a three was because I didn't think I was good enough to be a three. So I'm wondering if you have some insight about <laughs> about that or like other yeah. things you notice about me as a three, if you see any qualities that, that match. I, I think it's a beautiful way to sum up three is that, you know, threes again are comparing, right? And so it's like, well, those threes are the ones that are successful. So I must not be a three. And I think it's a really beautiful way to show that. I see so many beautiful three traits in you, Natalie, that the fact that you told me like, you can do this. You were, you were like so confident in me and my abilities um, was because you also can see what, what something can be, what, what it could, what, what could be produced. And just a small example would be when I was con- sort of concerned with this, you know, am I saying the right things? Are people going to like it? And I'm going into my pattern. You then stepped in and said, oh no, this is sounding presentable. It's going to be very efficient and succinct. And you knew that it could be something that could be packaged up and people were going to want and consume. And that's like a superpower for threes um, that you were thinking about how is it going to be viewed by others versus saying like, oh, well, they'll just have to deal with it, whatever. Um, Or people will like what they like or they won't like what they like. Threes know how to make things that people are going to want. Thank you for all those nice words. (laughs) So you as a two... You were sharing with me that you're concerned, like, how how am I doing? How is it sounding? So what were you, as a two, the helper, what were you concerned about just now when you were checking if everything was okay with our conversation? I was thinking things like, um, am I taking too much of her time? Is she still liking what we're talking about? Are other people at home going to find this helpful? Or is it something that they're not going to like? Oh, no. It's like a script running in our minds all the time. I think that seems really complete for a summary of two, I mean, of three. Let's go to type four. So type four, the individualist. Type four's focus of attention is what's missing in this world. Um, And the search for meaning, something deeper than just what's before my eyes. And they really long and that's a very important word for fours. They long for what's unavailable, just what's out of reach, just what that's missing inside of them, that longing. Um, and they want to be authentic and they want authentic, deep feelings to be happening all the time. <laughs> they're expressive. They're emotionally deep. Um, they can be self absorbed in their own emotional situation that's happening because their emotions can be so deep. Fours, their fear that's really driving a lot of this is that they're concerned that they lack a significant special identity um, and that they believe that to be average would make them also unlovable, that somehow just being a run-of-the-mill something 
uh, instead of being deep, unique, special, um, would mean that people wouldn't really see something in them and that they would lose the significance of who they are. They can be prone towards melancholy in some cases. Again, really strong um, feelings for four. Um, but they kind of like melancholy a lot of times. I mean, that's the, they're really good at going deep into those dark places that a lot of types just are like, nope, not going there. Um, but fours love that because it's intense and they love intensity. They're, they can be creative, often very creative, um, sensitive, compassionate, um, but they can also be withdrawn, sometimes really being sensitive to things and self-conscious. This is a big thing for fours. Um, even though they want to be different, put themselves out as this interesting, different person, they then feel as though maybe some envy towards people who don't have to feel that way or feeling self-conscious that they're going to be judged and what does that mean for their identity? And then pull and withdraw in in order to process those feelings. So they tend to be very focused on also the aesthetics in the world. So a way you might recognize a four is somebody who, my four friend going to a restaurant, they were, they were like, oh, well, let's sit here. One time I remember I went to this restaurant and there was this beautiful candle and the candle was glowing, this orange. It was really like a, a Tuscan orange and it was glowing. <laughs> one corner. We should sit here because the vibe, the feel of this area. I mean, don't, don't you just feel it? Can't you just, and I'm just like, I don't know what they serve here. Like, I is this the right? Are we allowed to sit? Like, so, and and you know, but that person, my friend, you know, really could could see what what maybe on the surface we take for granted, and also what on the surface is just going to a restaurant, and they were making it kind of this deeper, intense experience. Another example for four is one time I went out with another four friend, and we were walking into the restaurant, and on the door there was like a wreath, and the wreath was made out of fake flowers, and they were like, "We can't eat here." This is, I mean, just look at this. Like, ugh, it's just not even, it's not even real flowers. Like, I just, I can't, I can't connect to this space. I just like, don't feel comfortable here. <laughs> and, 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 and we ate somewhere else. Um, <laughs> uh, they really love those deep, dark, intense experiences. When the um, pandemic hit, another four friend um, put on Blade Runner and drove up to the city um, and listened to Blade Runner and walked around to experience fully the apocalypse that was happening and really live in this moment of intensity. Um, another four friend um, drove to the beach to scream into the ocean, you know, to really experience what was going on. Fours often ask themselves, can I express myself here? Will I be rejected? Um, will I feel deficient? Um, so those are things that go through four's mind. So I'm hearing a creative, dramatic, artistic flavor and emotional mm -hmm. flavor. And you use the word uh, deep a few times. How would you define deep when it when it connects to the four personality type? That's a great question because all types are deep and interesting people, right? But fours are tied to the need to be seen that way. Um, again, this, 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 if they're not interesting and different, then what is the point? Um, so they're really going to kind of broadcast that difference, that sort of like depth to themselves more than another type might just say, well, of course I'm deep. I mean, I'm just a person. Everybody's deep. But a, a four is going to really want that 
other people to notice that. Um, and also because they do see things in the world that other people don't notice, the, the missing element, the sort of mysticism often that's in what's more to this life, um, fours are drawn to that. And I think deep, what I would say is a lot of times it's deep, darker, intense um, emotions and that they're willing to kind of sit in that and experience that. Um, you know, one time I went to my four friend and I'm, you know, I was crying. I was really upset. And they said, yeah, let's just, let's just cry. Let's just, uh, let's just feel that. This is like, and I'd already been crying for like an hour. I'm like, no, I want to feel better. And they're like, no, no, no. This is like, this is the gold. Like, this is where we, oh yeah. Like we are in it. I can feel it. Like we're connecting, you know, and the connection to that something more than the mundane, banal, day-to-day boring stuff that we do day in and day out. That's just what force can't stand that stuff. So they want that intensity. Um, and sometimes it means that they can be kind of um, melancholy, like I said, or, or sort of driven by their emotions, you know, that, that we had to turn around and go to a different restaurant because of how the flowers made them feel. They felt really strongly about it. And sometimes fours resent feeling so strongly, but they also love it too. So it's kind of this back and forth with that. What would be an example of a four that is really healthy and doing well Versus a four that's not feeling so hot, not doing so well at this time? That's a great question. A four that's doing really well is able to know about those deep, intense uh, emotions and is able to experience them in themselves and still be able to go about doing what they need to do and actually um, helping others process those feelings as well. Uh, one time I went to my four friend and I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I just, I don't know what's going on. They said, you're sad and that's okay. And they were there for me and just, um, and, and held the, the sadness with me, but weren't trying to dwell in it. We're helping not, not to cheer people up, but helping process that in a way that was effective and and um, not just to kind of like get into it for the sake of of oh I'm so intense and and mysterious and you know not getting into all of that so maybe it, there's a sense of purpose that the four can get when they're able to help others understand themselves on a deeper level because they themselves have experienced such deep emotional times. Absolutely. I mean, fours really can be so helpful. Their superpower is being able to have feelings that other people run away from um, or even don't even recognize in themselves. Um, and they're willing to go to great lengths to even learn more about that often. Um, and we need fours for that. And also because they see the world so differently. A lot of times fours feels like they're aliens on this planet, like that they showed up and it was like, oh, this is what humans do. And they actually feel that way. And it's really helpful because if we didn't have the perspective from fours, a lot of times we would just go day to day in and out and not see the beauty around us stopping and smelling the roses and all of the beautiful poetry that could be created from those roses and the tragedy of the rose and how it dies and all those things that fours give to us to experience more to life. They're really good at that. What are some common professions of the fours? Oh, this is also a great question because, um, and I didn't say this before, is that anybody can be any profession, but the way that they go about doing it has a lot to do with their personality type. So for instance, everyone, anyone could be an artist. Are there a lot of fours that identify as artists? 
Yes. But anyone could be an artist, but why they're doing it, what they're focusing on, the kind of art that they do, or could anyone be a therapist or could anyone be a teacher, but why are they doing it? You know, are they doing it because they want to make sure that people learn how to be good in the world? Are they doing it because they want to help people? Are they doing it because they want to truly make everyone successful and shine? Are they doing it because they want people to experience something that's more in this world and see the beauty all around us? I mean, there's just so many ways. And there's more, there's more types. <laughs> that's, that's really, it's a really great way of understanding it. So anyone with any type can, can have any kind of profession, but it's really about what's driving the person. Absolutely. And I could go around the entire wheel of the Enneagram right now with just one profession or one thought and how would they come about it from di in different ways? Why would they be doing that profession? Why would they be doing what they're doing? So we have accomplished a lot. We've done types one, two, three, and four. Are we ready to go to number five? Yes. <laughs> Perfect. So we have we have five through nine. Um, let's get into it. So what is type five called? So type five is often called the observer. Um, their focus of attention is intellectual understanding accumulating knowledge, and avoiding intrusions from others, um, which is a big part for five. Um, they're perceptive, they're inventive, um, but they can be kind of secretive and isolated sometimes too. This observing mind, wanting to watch the world kind of from a little bit of a, a farther stance, they want to find security in knowing things and having an accumulating knowledge because their fear is that they're actually helpless in this complicated world unless they can master and understand something more. Um, and then therefore they'll have competency and can finally move forward. But the thing with fives is that often they don't feel that they ever reach that competency level. They feel that, well, I'll just read a little bit more. I'll just research it a little bit more. I'll just tinker with it a little bit more. I'll just observe it a little longer before I enter into the world. And so they can kind of have this isolated situation happening with them. And because they're such good observers, they're really thoughtful, logical often scholarly. They're very self-reliant because they study up on things and then know how to do a lot. And um, very level-headed, very different than uh, two, three, and four we were just talking about. Not that they're not, not that they can't be level-headed, but that there isn't, um, they're not being driven by feelings necessarily, either the feelings of others, the feelings of themselves, the feelings of society and how they see them. They're being driven by this want for security to know the, the fear that they don't know enough um, and have to learn more in order to understand this intrusive world around them. Um, they can be very quiet and they can be detached sometimes from human connection in a way and hoarding of information and, and sometimes of stuff as well, and possibly overly intellectual or overly in their mind. They, they're, they're in the world of their mind is the most interesting place for fives. So fives, you might notice uh, you're having a conversation and, you know, you're asking a five about something to do something and, you know, they, oh, what? Oh, oh, I didn't realize you were talking. Was I was talking this whole time, but whatever was going on inside their mind was just far more fascinating than anything that was happening in the real world. Different than fours. Fours might have that daydreaming kind of like, oh, wonder if there's like 
uh, you know, dragons and how could I, what would it be like to live as a dragon? You'd like to sort of fantasy. Mm -hmm. Five Mm -hmm. are going to be kind of stuck in their mind thinking about sort of how do things connect or how do I fix something or all the, depending on how the five manifests. Um, So five, you know, going to a restaurant with five, it might be something like, well, if, you know, if going to a restaurant with a two was, um, if going to a restaurant with a two was them thinking about like, what is this person like who I'm going with? What do they like to eat? Oh, I already know that, but I'm going to ask them anyway, just so that I can check in and know, have them know that I know what they like. And we picked a restaurant that was like, and if threes went to a restaurant because they heard that it was like the best top restaurant, everybody's going to it. And if fours go to a restaurant because it has this certain vibe and feel and it's super cool and like, you know, all that. Well, fives are going to go to a restaurant because they did research on it. And while they were doing research on it, they started thinking, well, oh, this is interesting. Hmm. Wow. I didn't realize there was so much different Indian food. I wonder why South Indian food is so different than North Indian food. Why don't they eat the same thing? I mean, if they have the same resources, I the resources <laughs> are the same in the medieval period, I should check that and research it. It's like, well, what restaurant are we going to? Well, I haven't checked enough. I haven't re- read about it enough, right? I don't know. I don't know enough to move forward. So I asked my five friend one time, what would a perfect day look like? And the five said, everyone leaves and I can read and drink my tea in peace because that's where they're shining. Another five was saying, you know, what they could just work on the car. They're just going to fix all the parts. They've read all about it and they're just going to do that. So, and, and for me, as a two, I'm like, oh my God, everyone leaves. Uh Oh no. Like I can't, I can't be alone. You know, like that I can't handle that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, so it's so different, but some people are, you know, are listening going, oh yeah, definitely. That sounds like a great day. But, but because of that, they can see kind of reclusive, um, have trouble engaging with people, communicating, um, all those things. Let's say that I'm at a party and I want to, yeah, I want to connect with a five. What would be a five's favorite question for someone to ask them or comment that would make them feel really good about themselves? Oh, that's a great question. One is finding a five at a party might be a little bit tricky. Um, (laughs) Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they have, they they, uh, often will, they are worried that, that if they give too much of themselves that they won't have enough energy. That's sort of this wanting to preserve their, their, if there's too many intrusions, they'll lose all of their energy and that they have to kind of keep that safe and close to their, close to themselves. So they don't always go to a party, but there are fives that go. Um, And actually, sometimes people don't realize they were talking to a five because the person was going on and on about something and was actually quite talking quite a lot. But it was about a subject matter they felt really confident in that they knew a lot about. And the five might still feel like they don't actually necessarily know everything about it. But you're like, wow, I had no idea that medieval swordship even existed. <laughs> you, know, just, you know, my five friend another time, they're very worried about misspeaking um, because people won't see that they have this knowledge. And that's, a, that's that causes fear, right? That that's part of their identity, that, that pattern of wanting to be confident and knowing what they need to know. Um, they said one time that they were talking to somebody and they said something about that person being Cambodian. It turns out they were Laotian and they felt really bad about it. So it's not that they don't have feelings and stuff. It's just that what they're focusing on is sort of the, the things in the world that we can study. If, the, if a four goes to the ocean and goes, 
Oh, the ocean, the magnificence, the beauty, the grandeur, the glory. I can just soak up all of this. If a four goes to the ocean and does that, <laughs> a five goes to the ocean and goes, hmm, going deep down, looking at that one grain of sand and thinking, what made sand? What are all these? What is it made up of? How can I know more about, you know, and, and for them, that's the grandeur, but it's sort of focusing in that observing, that sort of understanding the world in this sort of um, concrete way uh, of understanding and observing all the things in it. Anything else about five before we move on to type six? Fives are really great at fact checking. Um, and we need them in society for that um, because they're not often um, swayed by emotions as maybe some types are, either emotions having to do with their own emotions or emotions having to do with like anger and frustration. They a lot of times are detached from that. And so they can be really good fact checkers. Uh, but it can also be kind of a hard thing for people if we're talking about the pros and cons with that. Uh, the five I know a lot of times like at a dinner party, for instance, is actively fact-checking or categorizing in their brain what they're going to see if, if, uh, and quietly realizing that they're smarter than everyone in the room. And quite often they are, but <laughs> they are fact-checking. And I've had five friends do that. And um, different than one where they're going to, you know, kind of correct you on the spot about like an error in the way that you said, five is more of a, well, actually, or this is, you know, this is the way that that, you know, that they know a lot about things. And they like to your question before um, how to talk to a five. A lot of times it's just connecting with them on the thing that they're really excited about, that they're learning about, or that they know a lot about. Um, you know, and that might be like weather patterns in Southeast Asia. Um, <laughs> it, or, or, or it might be, you know, reptilian um, categorizations in California. I mean, it could, it's, it's runs the gamut. That was so so beautifully okay thanks articulate like <laughs> like i get my uh, ride <laughs> that was just like poetry thank you thank you so much for listening make sure to check out the next episode enneagram part two to learn about personality types six seven eight and nine it's a continuation of our conversation and it's even more juicy and fun and you'll see why and what stood out the most to me about my conversation with Ayla was how the Enneagram allows us to honor the things that we really love about our personality, and it also gives us the insight to be able to break away from patterns that might be holding us back. And Ayla is truly genuine and extremely wise, and I'm always learning so much from her, and just it feels amazing to be in her presence. And if you'd like to connect with Ayla, you can find her at www.truesystems.com and follow her on Instagram at trueusystems. That's true Y-O-U systems. If you'd like to reach her directly, feel free to email Ayla at Miller at gmail.com. That's A-Y-L-A-M-I-L-L-E-R. Ayla does amazing group classes and also does one-on-one -on -one Enneagram counseling for anyone who's interested in using the wisdom of the Enneagram to problem solve, to address personal roadblocks, and move forward in a healthy way. This has been so great, and feel free to follow me on Instagram at Relationship Podcast. And if you found this to be insightful, please feel free to leave me a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast and share this with someone you think could benefit from hearing it. And again, the next episode is part two of the Enneagram series. You will not want to miss this. Ayla and I will cover the last 
personality types six through nine, and it will be so helpful in better understanding the other one third of the population. And you might be in that. So um, I hope you really love it. And this is Natalie Bloom. So excited to continue the conversation with you and remembering that through awareness comes connection. hope you had a great time listening. Again, just a friendly reminder that the podcast is for informational purposes only. Relationship University is not intended to be a substitute for psychological, psychiatric, or medical advice, or diagnosis and treatment, or actual psychotherapy with a therapist or psychologist. If you're desiring or needing mental health support, please seek the advice of your medical provider or other qualified mental health professionals. If you think this may be a mental health emergency, please call your doctor or 911 immediately or go to your local emergency room. Life can be challenging sometimes and everyone goes through tough things. And I hope you're seeking professional support from your own personal therapist if that's something that you think would be beneficial to your life. I appreciate your time to listen to this and take care.